Hello and welcome to this special edition of Africa Inc. where we're coming to you from the biggest mining investment event in the world, the Investing in African Mining in Daba 2018. This is where key decision makers and stakeholders sit down and discuss how to develop mining on the continent. And we sat down with a few of them to get behind the thinking of some of the decisions that are being made right now. So over the next half hour, we bring you conversations had with the CEO of Rand Gold Resources, Mark Bristow, about how the mining code revisions in the DRC is likely to impact business on that end. So while Roger Baxter, who's CEO of the South African Chamber of Mines, talks us through the challenges the industry is facing in the country right now from a regulatory perspective and where to from here overall though positivity seems to be returning to the mining sector as commodity prices of course recover Virgil Duplessis from Baker McKenzie speaks to us about whether this means investment is going to be returning along with that and building on the sense of positivity is a change of regime over in Zimbabwe. Sue Brighton, who's with Gil Godlinton and Garands, gives us some insight into that. But first, it's over to Bronwyn, who's standing by with the organizers of the event to take a closer look at what exactly has been under discussion. Around 270 mining companies and over 36 mines ministers are speaking at this year's Mining in Daba event that's taking place here in Cape Town front and centre. At this year's event is the theme of sustainable development and in the corridors and meeting rooms here at the CTICC that is all anyone can talk about along with digitisation and trends in the mining industry. So to unpack all of this is Alex Gross, the MD of the Mining in Daba. Alex, thanks so much for your Morning. time today. So last year there was a shift in focus here at Indaba and that was to more of an investment focused event, kind of going back to your roots. Agreed. That shift played out in your numbers. Yep. Does it continue this year? Absolutely. Um, and we're delighted with that because as you say that's the reason for Mining Indaba. So again we're seeing huge numbers. Um, we're seeing around 20%, 15-20% on the investors we're seeing the mining executives come back. I think we're around 36% of the mining company executives and the governments as well. And that draws everyone together because you need to have everyone together to have the real discussion and platform we need to have. Well, like we were saying, over 400 investors yeah. here at Indaba, but helping that must be that we've entered a time of almost pro-business in the sector. I'm thinking about Zimbabwe specifically, mm -hmm. the country's new president looking to mend relationships, and even here in South Africa, with the election of Cyril Ramaphosa to ANC president, that really giving businesses some confidence. So at this year's Indaba particularly, is there a great sense that government and industry players are really working together? I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, political change and moving into a political landscape that fosters international investment, I think is everything that a lot of people are very interested in at the moment. I think that's there's a lot of hope around, and you're right, Zimbabwe and South Africa are the two, the two areas people are talking about at the moment. There are other areas, but I think that's where people are certainly hoping for some exciting change and forward momentum. And I think, I think the feeling we're getting around here is that that's, that's the way it's going. Well, listening to Mark Bristow, who was talking a little bit earlier, specifically about the DRC that came through as news, saying that, you know, it's decisions that happen here today which will be looked back in history to see whether that was done correctly in the DRC. I'm referring, obviously, to mm. the change in their mining rules. But mm. 
I guess that is the hope as an event organiser that this conversation starts here but they don't end here. Agreed and, and, and that's been another thing we've been trying to pick up on is yeah with the, the mining in Darba is a huge platform for everyone to come together but what do we do for those 12 months in between? How do we do it? And we're, we're working, we had a ministerial symposium and we're working with some organisations like Deloitte to extend that conversation because you're right a lot of things happen here but let's not just talk about it in 12 months time. Exactly. Another interesting focus is minds of the future. There's been a lot of news headlines about making use of blockchain yeah. um, in the mining industry. It's an interesting development. How much of a focus is that at this year's Indaba? Are people kind of sectoring themselves off to chat about how this technology can work in the industry? I mean, not, I don't know so much about blockchain on its own, but certainly innovation is a huge theme here. So I think us as African, the African mining market, we obviously want the African mining market to do well, whether that's South Africa, Zimbabwe, Ghana, wherever. But to do that, we're competing not just amongst ourselves, but we're competing against Canada, we're competing against Australia, we're competing against South America. And to do that, we have to innovate and we have to have world-class facilities, world-class equipment, automation, whatever way it goes, changing jobs, the way people are working. And so that's a big focus for us on the Mining 2050 sessions. Blockchain will be a part of that, but I think it's a wider look at innovation. Alex, thanks so much for your time today. We Thank unfortunately you. have to leave it there, but hopefully Pleasure. another positive conversation when we catch up again next Excellent. year. Excellent. Thank you so much. Great. Alex Gross is MD of the Mining and Darba. Up next, we take a closer look at how revisions to the DRC's mining code is likely to affect businesses in the country and businesses' plans to tackle that head-on. Stay tuned. Well, alongside the kickoff of the mining in Daba here in Cape Town, we've had Rangold Resources release its full year results for 2017. Looking at the numbers, production's up 5%, total cash costs per ounce down 3%, now sitting at $620, while profits are up 14%. And joining me to take a closer look at the numbers and prospects from here on out is CEO Mark Bristow. Mark, thanks so much for your time today. So your cash war chest work to elevate expectations around your dividend and with cash now sitting at uh, 720 million dollars you're delivering on those expectations dividend up a hundred percent beyond the gold price working in your favor 2017 seems to have been a good year yeah I think uh, 2017 is arguably our best year in our 23 year history um, and it and it should be because it's really the start of of the um, shift uh, into a sustainably profitable business. For the last 20 odd years, we've been building this business and it started with you know, exploration focus, investment, and then evaluation, feasibility studies, development, and then delivery as we did and you know into the big shift into DRC and, mm -hmm. and, and we peaked in our capital as you remember where we were able to we had to sort of draw on our revolver just to get us over the hump as the gold price 
came off the, uh, the highs. And we, you know, because we focus on profitability and, and it's something I've been trying to educate the market, is the importance of being able to deliver value as a gold miner. You can't just keep increasing production. You have to get a state uh, to a stage where, sure, you're, you're maintaining your, your quality of your assets, you're turning it to account, and you're able to augment the leveraged exposure you naturally have in the market for a, a, you know, a cyclical gold price, and at the same time to be able to add to that uh, total shareholder return equation in the form of of uh, dividends. Yeah, with that being your focus, of course your main uh, focus has been on your Malayan operations. It's been your biggest pot of gold, if we can call it that. Uh, but now your Kibali mine in the DRC is what's getting attention uh, ahead of schedule and within cost parameters, right? Yes, I think that, you know, I think uh, last year we slipped a little bit behind our guidance, but nothing material. Um, you know, through the year we had some challenges. Uh, the last quarter came up uh, very nicely, and and you know that's been an eight-year investment, um, which comes to an end now, and we've got one more big uh, project to wrap up, and that's the hydro power station, which is scheduled for this year. But as the mining investment goes, it's complete, and so we start uh, paying back that capital. Uh, through this year and 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 we will continue to do that it'll take us until 2026 to uh, at these sort of gold prices to to get a to get the the, the original investment back how much of a spanner in the works does that new uh, mining code put to this entire well, investment you know i think we were talking about it before the interview uh you know africa's a, a toolbox of spanners uh, <laughs> And you've got to deal with those uh, uh, as you, um, you know, manage businesses through. And so that's why I've always said, you know, to invest in Africa, you need world-class assets because it's, it's a high-cost environment. It's got high risk attached to it. And, and, it's, um, and, 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 you know, we've been through many challenges like this. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the, the fundamental uh, economics the law of economics will prevail because, you know, DRC needs world-class investments. It's interesting that out of all the African countries, mm -hmm. DRC has a portfolio of global investors and it needs that to be able to deliver the sort of uh, ability to unlock what has always talked about but never delivered. Having said that, Mark, I mean, this new mining code surfaced back in 2014 and none of your proposals or your comments thus far have reflected in the new mining code that was passed at the end of last year. So why are you still so optimistic? I mean, how seriously is government taking your engagement with it? So it's, a, it's the point is, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that are driving politics in, in, in the DRC right now. And very lit, little of it is long-term uh, planning and uh, the insurance and comfort and responsibility that future generations will benefit from this natural resource treasure. So, and those, we've seen that happen from time to time. As Africa wrestles with its rightful place in the global economy, 
um, and and deals with the demands of its uh, if of its own people, and every now and then, you know, things get neglected. And but the harsh reality of you know global economy and the requirement for for direct long-term fixed investment brings everyone home. Well, let's leave it there. Mark, always a pleasure catching up with you. Thanks, Thanks so much for okay. your time today. Of course, Mark Bristow is CEO of Rand Gold Resources. The Chamber of Mines says that the foundation's been laid to making mining better for the country in 2018, provided collaborative leadership comes into play. CEO of the Chamber of Mines, Roger Baxter, joins me now. Thanks so much, Roger, for your time today. So the market's certainly been swept up, uh, you know, in this wave of optimism around new leadership at the helm of the ANC and what it spells for the country's regulatory environment, policy certainty, generally the economy. What's the reading on your sentiment barometer right now? So I think the green shoots are definitely there. Um, you know, we've had a significant uh, political change taking place in December with Mr. Ramaphosa's election to the ANC presidency. Uh, you know, clearly the mining industry in South Africa is looking for a restoration of ethical leadership and good governance. It's looking for policy and regulatory certainty. And we're looking forward to working with government and other key stakeholders on, taking the, on restoring this industry, getting it out of the intensive care unit uh, and getting it back onto a growth track. While that's what you want, getting what you want is another thing altogether because this collaborative leadership surely is going to be pretty tough given the leadership that remains at the DMR with the current minister, as you've previously put it, having destroyed consultative structures and facing multiple charges as well. Yeah, I mean, we've indicated quite clearly that the industry through the chamber um, uh, have lost confidence in Minister Zwani. Um, we don't, we, 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 we've indicated, we have been engaging with the ANC obviously directly, uh, indicating our concerns about a number of different issues and not just concerns but solutions. And solutions are not just about what government and others should be doing, it's about what we should be doing as the industry itself. So, We'll be getting to your engagements in just a bit. Before yes. we do, you say that you haven't been engaging with Minister Zwane because you've lost faith. He said this morning that he's been engaging with investors. Is there any evidence, as you see it, of the minister engaging on his own esteem? I think you know he's obviously fully entitled to engage with whoever he wants to. Um, you know, obviously I've been uh, in my own right as the CEO of the chamber, engaging extensively with the investment community, including uh, the South Africa JSC Tomorrow Investment Conference in New York last year. Uh, we've, multi met, we've met multiple investors, multiple. Um, of the rating agencies, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, clearly the mining charter, the, the DMR's revised mining charter of 2017 is massively damaging for the sector. Uh, it is not achievable. Um, it effect um, will sink a number of companies in terms of the costs and excessive taxes and others that are imposed on the sector through what they're trying to do. And it's the product of a non-consultative process. It's, uh, you know, the first charter, charter one and charter two were substantial negotiating processes. So. Um, we need an outcome that everyone can work with and live with and so support and defend. And that's not the charter that's on the table at the moment. Of course, you are challenging this in court on the 19th to the 21st of February. Is everything still on track with regards to that? Yes, remember that we've had four court cases in play. Um, the, you know, one of them was the declaratory order application where we've sought um, 
an order from the court as to uh, how the ownership element should be dealt with. That's a critically important thing for creating certainty. And yes, we have a full review application taking place uh, from the 19th to the 21st. And that review application includes a number of outside uh, other interested parties, uh, which I think is interesting and important in the process. Um, but at the end of the day, South Africans need to get back to the negotiating table to produce a charter that can work for everyone. But that uh, is going to happen you know, after these court proceedings have taken place. Well, we hope it's going to happen. Uncertainty in legislation has seen at least 145 billion rand of capex being put on hold. If policy certainty, clarity comes to the fore, does that necessarily see the, the taps turn on immediately? Alicia, let me, let's face the reality that uh, South Africa is rated 74th out of 104 mining jurisdictions in the Fraser Institute survey for investment attractiveness. We are ranked 13th in Africa. We should be number one or two. So if we get back into the top 25% of investment destinations globally in terms of our investment attractiveness, uh, it is the view of our companies that we'll add another 84% to current plans, almost a doubling of fixed mining investment, uh, which effectively would add another 50,000 mining jobs, 150,000 additional other jobs related to mining. So this is about turning, changing the dial and changing the conversation, but it requires ethical leadership and good governance. It requires policy and regulatory stability and certainty. It requires infrastructure to be delivered uh, in a way which is uh, efficient, reliable and cost competitive. And obviously it requires us to meet our social contract obligations around safety, transformation uh, and the broader social license to operate. So we understand what the commitments are. Well, let's leave it there. Roger, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today. Of course, Roger Baxter is CEO at the Chamber of Mines. Well, with a wave of optimism hitting the mining sector, we discuss what this means for deal flow with Vildu Duplessis of Baker McKenzie straight after this. Don't go away. Some are suggesting that the theme here at Mining in Daba should be a return to positivity. This is balance sheets are starting to look a lot better that now that commodity prices are returning to more manageable levels. So joining me to unpack this is Vildu Duplessis, Head of Africa at Baker McKenzie. Vildu, thank you so much nice for joining us. So like I said, a real return to positivity. You can feel that a lot of people are far more positive about where the sector is, headed, is heading. Why do you think this positivity is coming back? Yeah, that's absolutely correct, Ronan. I mean, as we chatted a bit earlier, I've been doing this mining in Daba for 15 years. And in the last five years, there hasn't been a lot of positivity. All of a sudden, things are just looking better. I think there's a couple of reasons for it. First of all, if you look at uh, overall for the mining sector globally, it was a good year. You know, the 50 largest mining companies have, they sit on market cap of almost $900 billion, added $140 billion this year alone. So I think that sort of, it's, it's, it shows that uh, there's definitely some upside in the mining game. 
Um, looking a bit closer to home, I think the, 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 the positive market sentiment in South Africa specifically is sort of doing a lot for the industry. Uh, things are changing in our neighbours, you know, uh, Zimbabwe, a real sort of positive story, busy developing there. So I think overall a lot of positivity here, more so than what we've seen over the last couple of years. Given this return to positivity, when will miners then start investing again? <laughs> well, that's the question. Um, if we look at the M&A activity, there has been sort of a real uptick in mining deals globally. I think in our neck of the woods, it has been depressed a bit, but that's sort of probably uh, more domestic factors than anything else. Even if we look at capital raising IPOs, we've, 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 we've seen a slow 2017, but I think we are definitely predicting uh, an uptick uh, for 2018 and 2019 and beyond. Because is M&A then the way forward? And when I talk about M&A, will it be less restructuring activity and more growth-focused activity in that space as well? I think we all hope that that's the case. Um, indications are that that will be so. So a lot of M&A activity on the cards. We've already seen a number of large transactions being announced. Just sort of think locally about the Sabanya Stillwater deal that was closed last year the uh, Sibania offer that was announced for Lonman uh, to see how that works, sort of really just contrasting an M&A uh, a, a transaction versus a restructuring uh, a bit. Um, the other theme that we see quite sort of uh, regularly these days in talking to our clients is there's a real space again for your smaller junior miners entering the, uh, the, the arena, sort of doing new deals. And of course, that all spells M&A activity rather than uh, restructuring or anything like that. You, you briefly touched on IPO activity. Are you also projecting that to really take hold this year? Because we did have Alphamon uh, towards the yes. end of last year listing on the JSC. They've got a tin mine in the DRC that they're looking to develop. Are we going to see more players like that, like you said, those junior miners coming to market to raise capital? So, Ronald, I mean, at Bakers, we've definitely seen an increase in the in the inquiries around listings, IPOs, and so on, specifically on the JSE, uh, coupled with the uh, places like the London Stock Exchange, the Canadian Exchange, and so on, the Toronto Exchange. So, that cross-border uh, capital raise, we think, will will increase. Um, that is a good way for mining companies at least to raise money, is to sort of look at a local capital raise linked to some offshore capital raise as well. We talk about all this positivity, but it's not without its challenges when we look at countries like Tanzania and the DRC making big headlines while we're here at, at Mining in Daba as well. So let's, let's take a look at Tanzania specifically. What's your reading there? They're obviously clamping down on regulation. Your clients going into that territory must be wondering how do they navigate that and what kind of effect do you think this is going to have on investment there? Yeah. So Tanzania is we saw some of that in South Africa a couple of years ago, with the government really looking at how should it regulate the mining sector. Um, the issue in Tanzania for me is that you do need to return to a state of um, normality and predictability. So we've seen massive changes there uh, after the government sort of essentially accused two London listed companies, gold miner and a diamond miner, of sort of saying, you're not, you're not telling us the truth about what you're exporting. Um, so, one would have to see exactly how that develops. It, we know already that it has uh, put off certain in investors. There's a Russian-Uranian project that was put on hold to say it's not only the uranium prices that we're a bit worried about, but the in-country uh, uh, mining regulation, we're not sure that, we're, that we've got the stomach for that. So, overall, that won't be good. 
um, bring it a bit closer to home, I think Zimbabwe, as I mentioned, is a really good developing story. Uh, if we play our cards right in South Africa, we can sort of probably also start getting a bit of that positive uh, uh, market influence uh, here. Well, Vildi, we hope the positivity continues. We'll have to see how it all plays out. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Vildi Duplessis is Head of Africa at Baker McKenzie. Recent changes in Zimbabwe have seen a shift in its attitude towards international investors with the new government taking steps to re-engage. So as Zimbabwe makes this renewed pitch to international investors, Sue Brighton, who's director at Gil Godlinton and Gerens, an alliance firm with Norton Rose Fulbright, joins us now with what's on the cards from a legislative perspective. Thanks so much, Sue, for joining us today. So with conducive policy and regulatory environments a priority in any investor's mind, what kind of legislation changes are in the pipeline to entice investors back into Zimbabwe's mining sector? The fundamental changes that the new administration is going to make will address the issues that investors have been very worried about. One of the principal problems investors have had was the anxiety about indigenization. Therefore, our indigenization approach is changing. There's already an amendment to indigenization legislation. It's in the Finance Act, sorry, Finance Bill. It will be placed before Parliament, and I'm sure it will be passed and be far more investor friendly. Is it a complete overhaul of the country's indigenization legislation as we have become, uh, as it's become known? It is a very substantial change. So there will still be some reserved sectors, which are particularly intended for the SMEs and the small businesses. So they'll stay protected. But as far as the outside investor goes, the protection now will really just be in platinum and diamonds. And it's a really business-orientated approach the government is taking. In your conversations with clients, I mean, given the changes that are afoot, uh, the commitment to respect of property rights and upholding uh, bilateral agreements as well, what advice are you offering as far as the country's risk premium is concerned? Zimbabwe is fundamentally a very stable and very peaceful country. And the world saw us have a fairly major change in government. A bullet wasn't fired. No bullet was fired. No blood was shed. And yet we fundamentally changed in government. And I think that says a lot about Zimbabweans. So that is why it is fundamentally an attractive place. Let's leave it there. Sue, thanks so much Thank for you. having joined us today. Of course, Sue Brighton is a director at Gill, Godlinton and Gerens, and that's an alliance firm of Norton Rose Fulbright. And that's where we leave things with you for this week's edition of Africa Inc. But we'll be back same time, same place next week. For now, it's goodbye from me, Alicia Seckham, and the rest of the Africa Inc. team right here in Cape Town.